Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Hello, Brian. Good to be here today. Uh, for those of you who have not listened to the Greatest Games Podcast, what it is is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game they were a part of as a coach. Like we always say, we don't put any limits on them. It could be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, B-team coach. It could be a championship game. It could be a loss, whatever they consider to be their greatest game. Well, I'm ready to get started. So let's welcome in our guest for today, Coach Yarek Stoneman, who just completed his fourth season as the head boys basketball coach at Ridgeview High School in Columbia, South Carolina. Coach, welcome on in. How you doing tonight? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you, and appreciate y'all having me on. We're glad you're here and uh, just excited to delve into more of your journey as a coach to hear about your greatest game. And uh, tell us, uh, how, how many state championships in a row have you won? I've been fortunate enough to have good enough players uh, to win three in a row. So it's, it's definitely an uh, exciting time at Ridgeview. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to be there and, and have great players to, to be able to coach. Well, it's, it's really because you have a great AD, let's be honest. <laughs> yes, definitely. That's where the success comes from. That's right. Yeah, you don't like, – uh, like the old saying goes, it ain't about the X's and O's, it's about the Billies and Joes. That's it. Well, so in the Coach, South, we say Jimmy's and Joe's. But Jimmy's and Joe's, okay. Yeah, but that's in the South, though. <laughs> Coach, why don't you go ahead and give us your coaching resume. Tell us where you've coached, how long, and uh, any accolades you want to tell us about. Uh, well, I, I, don't like, I don't like to hear about my accolades. Uh, you know, I, I prefer talking about, you know, the kids that, that I've been able to help and, and the journey through that. But, uh, you know, I, I started coaching when I was 16 years old. Uh, as a rec center, I worked at the rec center or the Y, and uh, one Saturday morning, um, uh, their coach didn't show up, and I said, "Well, I'll coach you." And then from that point on, I was I was uh, stuck. I, I knew that's what I wanted to be is be a coach. So I that was a third grade team that I coached when I was 16 years old, um, and then went to Virginia Tech and uh, was a student assistant there my last two years. And, uh, you know, won the NIT in 95. I was with uh, Ace Custis, Sean Smith, Sean Good, some of those. Ace Custis. Yep. Yeah, uh, we played uh, Marquette in the final uh, up there. And that was an unbelievable game in, in the Madison Square Garden. And from that point, I went back to my alma mater and uh, was a girls JV coach. And uh, then – in Virginia, they had girls in the fall and boys in the spring, and then I was the JV's assistant coach for the boys. And after one year of doing that, uh, I was very fortunate to uh, land a position at Oak Hill Academy where I was assistant coach for Steve Smith for 11 years and uh, probably 11 of the, my most memorable years uh, as a coach. Uh, I mean, we not only traveled – all across the country, but, you know, we got to travel to the Netherlands and play uh, Cuba national team, the Olympic team, the Dutch national team, uh, professional teams over in Israel, uh, you know, and got to see Brazil's Olympic team play. So, you know, we didn't, we were in a different bracket and of course we didn't uh, win, win games there, but we were able to uh, watch those, those great teams there play. And then, uh, 
you know, I was there 11, 11 years, and five of those years, we were fortunate enough to win uh, the mythical high school national championship. And uh, I went back to Galax. I'm, I'm originally from a small town in Virginia called Galax, Virginia. I uh, went back there to be the athletic director. And I was the athletic director there for uh, two years, and uh, I decided to join back into the Army Reserve. Ended up getting deployed to Iraq in 2010 and uh before i was coming home in november of 2010 i think this was about mid-october the girls coach there stepped down uh, and i called the superintendent and i said i would be very interested and the reason why is because i have twin daughters there will be 21 uh in less than a month but i wanted to spend more time with them and fortunately uh I was able to get that job and it, you know that really helped me as a coach being able to coach girls you know it's a different you know you, you're not coaching athleticism you're coaching uh strategically and the x's and o's uh i spent six years there uh and then uh luckily my girls i guess didn't really want to pursue it their senior year and, and coach rosefield uh, somehow we connected through a friend and uh, ended up coming down to Ridgeview, and the last four years has been unbelievable. A great ride for me and my family, and uh, you know, hopefully the Ridgeview community. That's awesome. So that's a great journey. I mean, you've done all kinds of things at all kinds of levels, and been an athletic director. So I think that gives you a lot of perspective as a coach. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the key points in the interview with Coach Rosefield is. Uh, you know, I told him, I said, I don't think there's a coach should be a coach unless he's been an AD. And I don't think an AD should be an AD unless he's been a coach. You know, so you you got to understand both sides. And, and uh, you know, I'm I'm very, very fortunate to, and I'm not just saying it because he's on the other mic and, you know, he helps size my checks. But I'm very fortunate <laughs> to, to work for uh, Coach Rosefield and, you know, the things that he allows me to do. But it also – He's a basketball mind, and there's a lot of times I'll, I'll go in his office and just shoot basketball stuff off, off of him because I know he, he's got a great basketball mind, and he's, he, he's willing to share it only if you ask. Well, that, that check will be in the mail to you, Coach, for all those nice things <laughs> you said. Yeah, but, uh, no, it's uh, – yeah, Chris, it really is. It's awesome to be able to have a, a guy like Coach in our building, just the, the person that he is and the basketball coach that he is with all these experiences. But uh, – it's, um, it's, it's really, it's really a pleasure to be able to work with you. But I think, uh, Yarek, I think, uh, you make a great point. Uh, administration, man, is so important. I mean, you see people and, and places that are supported by good administration and places that aren't. And it's, it's just night and day when you have uh, positive administration, you know, they're helping you out. I think it just makes a world of difference. Definitely. And I, I think, you know, not just with Coach Rosefield, but with uh, our principal, Dr. Mack, and our assistant principal, who's over athletics, Mr. Ross. They see the the whole picture. They don't see the wins and losses. Uh, they see the whole picture of what we're doing inside the school building, what we do outside the school building, within our community, with our kids, and, you know, really trying to develop, you know, for me, uh, these young men and to be to being great people in the community. And, uh, you know, they see that. They don't see the wins and losses, which is it's helped a little bit uh, that we are winning. But, uh, you know, I, I could tell that first year it wasn't about winning and, and, and losing. It was about you have to develop these 
these kids and to be better people. Absolutely. All right, Coach, so we're going to go to a little uh, Q&A segment here. We're going to have some fun questions, maybe some deep questions. Uh, tell us about uh, – have you ever broken a whiteboard or a clipboard or broken something in anger during a game or during halftime? Uh, do I have to answer that one? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've, I've kicked some chairs before. Uh, I'll give you a perspective on how competitive I can be, which times have changed and I've changed. But uh, I was also uh, my daughter's uh, girls volleyball coach at the varsity level. So I've, I've coached girls varsity basketball, uh, varsity volleyball, and uh, uh, varsity girls track. So all in the same year. And it's basically, it was a small school. I had all the girls pretty much in all the sports. So um, we were, we'd just been to the state semifinal the year before. I had almost everyone back. Uh, they was, uh, we were in the second round of the, the playoffs and uh, we were playing awful. And the girls didn't do what I asked them to do. And I, I used to always coach with the die Dr. Pepper uh, and somehow the anger got to me. I got up, I slammed the Dr. Pepper down. It went under my chair. It's spun all the way over to where my principal, school board member, and superintendent was sitting, and the lid popped off, and it spun all the way around. The gym totally got quiet. Uh, needless to say, I, uh, they, they thought it was too stressful for me to do all three uh, after a couple of years of, of that. So, uh, you know, I ended up just, just doing girls basketball after that, which was good. But, uh, you know, that's, that's a funny story that I think, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we, we as coaches th take things out of perspective. But we did get the win. We did advance to the state semifinals again. So uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it was shocking to the girls that, that uh, I could get angry with them sometimes. I tell you, uh, you know, being a former girls coach, when I would um, lose my cool, which I know is hard to believe, but uh, when I would lose my cool, it, the, the gym would just get it's it's a hush, quiet, and the girls looking around like, um, now what do we do? <laughs> and so I can uh, I can certainly hear that in your story with that. So, coach, what do you how do you see your role as a high school coach? What do you believe are um, I guess the, the things that you are, are really trying to accomplish as a high school coach. Well, I think specifically just basketball, it's not people, you know, me trying to develop them as uh, better people. But if we're just looking at uh, basketball, my main focus is effort and attitude. And I know a lot of coaches preach that, but uh, that's the only thing that I truly correct my kids on. If, their effort or their attitude is out of place. That's when I get upset. Uh, and even in games now, you know, and Coach Rosefield, uh, he'll be, I guess my vouch on this is that I am pretty laid back uh, in the games. Uh, but if I see a kid disrespect someone or disrespect the game more so, uh, and their effort is not very good, that's when I – my mentality changes. That's when I get upset. Uh, and, and I think my first year at Ridgeview it was shocked. Uh, the kids got shocked because I didn't take them out when they would make mistakes. 
uh, they'd miss a shot or they make a bad play. I'm always talking to them. It's the next play that matters. You know, it's, it's, we all make mistakes. We all miss layups. We all miss dunks. Well, some of us, uh, I never had the opportunity to, to miss a dunk, but uh, you know, those type things, it's, it's okay to make a mistake. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Uh, but if you do make a mistake, be the first one back on the defensive end or, or, or whatever. So th those two things is your effort and attitude is the main thing that I, I pride myself on within the program. Do you have a, a go-to pregame speech? I'm probably very different than every coach in America. I don't give pregame speeches. See, uh, I don't talk postgame. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I do no pregame. I think everything should already been set before you step up before the game. Uh, you know, I, I feel I do a good job at the high school level of scouting my opponents, uh, putting the scouting report together for the team. And so they already know what to expect. And, you know, I'm, I guess my go-to speech is like, and I've said it, you know, usually to start the season or even at big games, if you are looking for a speech to get you motivated to play in this game, to compete against someone else, you probably got the wrong coach. Uh, because regardless for me, I want to compete regardless at anything. Uh, you know, I got a connect four board in my office. The kids will come in and I'll compete and talk trash to them every single time that they come in. But it's just my nature. I want to compete. I don't need a speech to get me going. And our kids shouldn't need that either. Uh, so that that's uh, maybe unique because I, I think uh, you know all the college coaches, the great college coaches, you hear the great speeches that they, they that they say, and I just can't remember them. So that, maybe that's one reason why. You've done a great I, I, job. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Coach, I agree with you about that about the motivation. I always say that about the music. Like, what does it matter what music is playing before the game? Yeah. Like, it, you need this song to get you ready to play. Who cares? That's true. That's definitely true, especially with uh, music. But, you know, sometimes we got to tailor ourselves to the kids. Uh, you know, our, our kids like certain music. They like their individuality. And I think that's where times have changed is that it's okay to, to be an individual uh, as long as you, we can come together. And uh, when it's time, you know, in warm-ups, I let our kids be individuals. Wear what you want. You know, I, I don't make our kids – wear the same shoes. I don't make our kids have the same warm-up tops. One, because the kids will have to go out and buy it. And I was, a, 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 when I grew up, I didn't have the opportunity to have a lot of things. My mother uh, struggled quite a bit uh, buying things for us. So I've always felt like if I'm, if they're on my team, I don't want, if I'm giving it to them, yes, I expect them to wear it. But if they have to go out and their parents have to buy it, then it's not, I'm not going to make it mandatory that, that, they, that they have to have it. But, you know, I'm a firm believer, let them be individuals. But when that jump ball comes up, all 16 of us, you know, I had 16 on the team this year, and our six coaches, seven coaches, we have to be together uh, as one team. All right. <laughs> so it's obviously – the winning is taking care of itself for you. Um, three straight state championships at Ridgeview. Um, but how would you truly define success for, for each team that you coach? 
Uh, you know, since we've been in this COVID-19, I've listened to a lot of a podcasts and a lot of coaches are saying, you know, what our kids are able to do and how we allow them to develop. So for each team, I've only been at Ridgeview for, for four years. I'm not yet quite getting to the point where, because uh, my first year team will be seniors in, in college. So, you know, we push them to college, we push them into the military or trade school. That's what we tr try to do. But, uh, you know, for me at Ridgeview, I think in about three or four years, I can determine the success by where they, they are in society. Uh, you know, I've got one kid at, at Citadel. Once he leaves Citadel in three or four years, where is he at? Uh, you know, I, well, actually we had, I had two, two guys, one's playing football at Citadel. Uh, so, you know, that's where I, I, I look at it and see, did I do a good job? Because, you know, as in coaching and all that, a lot of times you don't get your pat on the back until years down the, uh, down the road and when you can see how they've grown and and I'll, I'll bring up one one guy because I'm, I'm really close with them uh, we actually talked yesterday uh, and it's uh, Sagana Jop he played 13 14 years in the league he wasn't mm -hmm. a great player in the league he was drafted right out of high school uh, but to see where he came from when he got to Oak Hill Academy the two years that he was there and, you know, when he uh, was drafted, you know, we went up, the family and I went up, my daughters were three years old. We went up and the things that he was able to do for us and, uh, you know, that he fed us, but we, we participated in his religion. Uh, you know, he's a Muslim, so we participated in, you know, how he did things up there. But, you know, now he's the assistant coach. He's been assistant coach with Utah Jazz for about four or five years now. Uh, he's got a family. Uh, you know, he's got businesses in, in, in uh, Dakar, Senegal. He's still coaching. He has unbelievable family and he's able to provide for them. So there's my success with that, with him and that team. You know, I, it takes a few years and uh, before I can truly tell you about what I do and how successful I think each team is, is it's, you know, it, it takes time. I want to see how they develop as young men. Well, you know, you know that's music to my ears. <laughs> the, the, the conversations we've had over the years, and and Chris and everybody listening in, I just can't can't say enough good things about the job that you're doing. Obviously, like I say, the, the winning is is taking care of itself, but just to have that that vision and that care and that that true. Uh, relationship building that you've got with our kids and even whether they play basketball or not it's the, one of my favorite things is, is to watch you around the hallways with kids that you don't coach or and or not in your classes that just hey just want to come up and talk to you and you just want to talk to them so it's, 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 yep. it's, it's really it's really special um, thank you really, really special so all right so you know the point of the show is to talk about your greatest game you've been a part of basketball for a long long time but this is the time we'd love to hear about the greatest game that you've ever been a part of. You can tell us as much background information as you can and why it's so special to you. I, it, I've been in a long time, so it'd be hard for me to pinpoint one game. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably, if you allow me to go in several games and, and steps as uh, through my coaching. But, you know, like I said, that very first game that I coached when I was 16 years old, uh, we were coaching – I was coaching a third grade team 
uh, it was two seconds left on the clock. We get fouled. We're down three. And uh, the kid goes to the free throw line, makes his first one. I call a timeout, and his name is B.B. Brown. Uh, I said, B.B., hit the front of the rim. And, you know, it, it, at that age, you're only about four or five feet from the rim anyhow to shoot your free throws, and it's an eight-foot goal. I said, hit the front of the rim, get it, and score it. And shoot, shoot as quick as you can. And, you know, at that age, I'm sure people are trying to help out on the score clock and this, you know, for the kids. But he did it, and he made it. And we went to overtime and ended up winning the game. So that, you know, like I said earlier, that that's what got me into coaching, that right there. And, you know, I was excited. More so, you know, I would look forward to, after I get done with my practices during the week, I would run down to the rec center, which was only a half a mile down the road, run down there, coach that team. And I was more excited about coaching that team than I was playing a lot of times. And then, you know, Saturdays, we always had our games there. So you that Coach should have retired after that. One and zero. One and zero. One and zero. Overtime win. Strategy. I'd have rode off in the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I wouldn't be where I was at if, if it wasn't for that. But. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you know I, I think, uh, you know I I I went to Virginia Tech. I was walking around campus my first two years there and. I really didn't have, I, I knew I wanted to coach, but I, I needed someone to give me an opportunity to learn more. And I just walked in the office one day and Dean Keener, uh, which was at one time the head coach at JMU, uh, now he's living in Atlanta and, and running one of the biggest gyms in Atlanta. But uh, I went in, he was our uh, uh, administrative assistant. So he was the, the last guy on the poll. I told him, Paul, and I went in and I said, I want to manage. And uh, he's like, well, we, we don't really have that position open right now. Uh, but why don't you uh, come back and you can help us manage the JV team? I'm like, okay. So he's told me when the tryouts was, I got there the first day and he, and I w started watching them play. And I'm like, coach, I know I, I committed you being a manager, but would you allow me to try out too? And he's like, sure. And, uh, luckily for me that I, that he allowed me to do it, but I made the JV team that year, um, uh, and did the managing job started. And that, that's, that was funny. I don't think too many people can say that they were the manager of a team and started. Uh, but you know, we played like Oak Hill Academy. We'd play, uh, Fork Unions and, and, and those type teams, Hargraves, uh, we would play them. Uh, so the next year he said, why don't you come and be a student assistant for the, for the, uh, the, the main team? I said, most definitely. And so him and Bobby Hussey, uh, took me under the wing. So I, I was Bobby Hussey's right-hand man with the post guys. And that was Sean Smith, Ace Custis, uh, Travis, uh, Johnson and, and some of them. But, uh, I learned so much from Bobby Hussey and Dean Keener that, you know, I was able to bring a lot of that with me. But, you know, the game that I remember the most is being in Madison Square Garden. Growing up as a kid, even though I was in a small town in Virginia, I knew what Madison Square Garden was. So we went up there, we got out of practices, we won the first game and we were just shocked. Uh, and then, you know, the two nights later we play in the finals 
and end up beating Marquette. So that experience there is like the first time that I was actually a part of coaching and won something big. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely contribute. Dean Keener and Bobby Hussey, uh, forgive me th that opportunity. And then at Oak Hill, man, we had so many uh, unbelievable games. You know, going to L.A., playing Compton Dominguez, beating Compton Dominguez, uh, you know, wasn't on their floor, but it was in their city. Uh, you know, to playing in the Netherlands, to uh, playing in Brazil, uh, and watching Rajon Rondo score 52 and 19 assists in the game against high-level uh, talent. How many points uh, did you score if you had 52 points and 19 well, assists? Oh, uh, we had over 100, like 109, something like that. Uh, you know, we had Josh Smith. We had uh, Deshaun Wright. So, Brian Johnson. We had, we had a pretty good little team. Casey Rivers, which played at Clemson. Played at Clemson, yeah. Good lefty yep. shooter. Yep. Uh, had him. He was a junior that year. Uh, so, we – we had a really good team, but, you know, and, and with that, that being said, it was four 10-minute quarters that we played over there, so it was a little different. Um, so there was a lot of experiences there. Some of the games, uh, you know, we played, oh, my goodness, we played some of the best players while I was there in 11 years in, in high school and probably some in the NBA. Um, but, you know, I, I think – the games that I got to coach my daughters is the ones that I appreciate the most now. Uh, you know, they're, they're a little older. Uh, I got one that came in uh, just for the weekend. So she's still here. So it's, you know, it makes my wife happy. So that makes us all happy. But, uh, you know, just those type, those times that, that I know that I can't get back. Uh, but at Ridgeview, uh, I think the best game that our team has ever played was my second year there, we were in the third round. We were going to Aiken, and Aiken was uh, the favorite to win the state championship. They had everybody, and they, they had a squad. Um, I think they had seven guys go and play college basketball. But we went in, and we absolutely drilled them. And and the environment, and Coach Rosefield maybe speak on that, the environment – was just we, we beat them by 20 but the whole time it was like uh it was a two-point ball game that's how intense our kids played uh the very first two trips down Aiken was going to go out our big guy we had Malcolm Wilson which is at Georgetown now he redshirted this year uh you know he's 6'10 6'11 they were going to go at him and get him out of the game and Malcolm Wilson that year had 186 blocks so that's amazing. But the first two trips down, they went and they were going to try to dunk on them. And we were at their place, and I think, well, we're, we're going to get hosed uh, with the officiating or whatever. But he – the best blocks of all time. I mean, just because it was so clean, there's no way you could call foul. And from that point, we definitely changed the, the, the game. So, you know, those were good. And, and definitely the three – uh, state championships uh, have to be up there, too. Uh, you know, you, you can't go through a season and put all that work in and not at the time that you need them to play their best, them not play the best. So, uh, you know, definitely 
definitely those three there are let, let me go back to that Aiken game, Coach. You, you yes, talked sir. about they were – it was at Aiken? That's correct. In, uh, in South Carolina, the third-round game, it all depends. But the third-round game uh, this year, we, we won our region. They had won their region. So the uh, number one seeds match up with each other. But it, it alternates regions. You know, one year your region will host. Oh, okay. Here you, uh, you know, uh, you travel. So it was our year to travel. So we ended up traveling to them. And the gym was packed. I, you know, I think they – Coach Rosefield, you can correct me if I'm wrong. They have a, a, a sign. It's like 1,600. And I doubt it's, it's – it seats sixteen hundred, but I guarantee you they were sixteen hundred people in that in that gym. Yeah, I remember taking a picture of that uh, maximum maximum occupancy sign and thinking like that. I don't I don't believe that that number is accurate because it was it was packed. It was, there was a lot of people in that building. What I, what I wanted to ask you, Coach, was so you talked about that that was you knew they were a good team. Obviously, you had scouted them. You knew that they had a lot of great players. Were you was your team confident going into that game? I'm just I'm not trying to make it about me. I'm thinking about a game that I coached one time was a semifinal game. And I was told by a bunch of people that we couldn't beat this team. And I was so confident going into the game. My guys were so focused and ready. And we absolutely kicked this team's butt all up and down the court. Was your team like focused and ready? Did you know you guys were going to play well that night? Uh, well, I knew that we were, we were prepared. And, you know, I'm definitely in uh, one who – believes that my kids will be prepared. Uh, so we knew their sets. We knew what they were going to try to run. Uh, but I didn't know because we played them the year before with uh, another team, and I'd lost 11 or 12, and we, we got beat pretty good by them. I only had two returning, and that was Malcolm and Waylon Knapper. Uh, the rest of them were JV kids, and we got beat by them at uh, MLK. Uh, the year before. So, uh, you know, and I've seen them play. I, you know, I, I'm one that preaches that uh, I expect to win. So we expected to win. But in reality, uh, you know, if you took a poll or if they was betting people around us, they were definitely putting their money on, on Aiken that night. That feels so good when you win that game. Oh like man, it was yeah, and uh, that was the first time that I got a, a water bath. So I, I think that, that needs to be up there. Uh, I saw the video of the water bath from last year from the state championship. I saw yeah. it on, on like Twitter or something. Mm -hmm. By the way, coach, I just looked at it. My team this year had two hundred and eleven two point field goals, and you said that kid had one hundred and eighty six blocks in one year. One hundred and eighty six blocks. We had two hundred and eleven two point field goals this year. <laughs> think wow. about that. <laughs> Well, he, he uh, you know, he, he might have had I – mean, I know he had 186 blocks, but he probably altered another 186 shots. Yeah. Well, no, when you have a guy like that in there, absolutely. Yeah. He was, he was such a difference maker and great kid. Um, but I think about your career, at least you know, these four years at Ridgeview, that, that game to me is your signature win because that was the – that was, hey, Ridgeview's on the map. Like, it's, it, it, was, it was an incredible atmosphere, the way your kids play. Like, you're, you're completely accurate, 20-point game, but our kids were locked in. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was really, it was a really special night. Yes. That's awesome. That sounds like a fun game to be a part of. Those are funny. Like I said, I, I just – like I was thinking of – when as you were telling it, it reminded me of a game that I coached. And 
I remember walking to the locker room at halftime and I was so wrapped up in the game and knowing that we could beat this team and knowing my kids were focused that I didn't really look at the score. And I walked in at halftime and I looked up the scoreboard and we were up 11. And I was like, holy crap, we're up 11. That's awesome. Like I hadn't even realized that I was so engrossed in the game. And, you know, especially at those type moments, when I went in the locker room, I wanted our guys laser locked in again. I didn't talk about we were up 10, we were up 11. You know, we were talking about, look, we got to do these things, these things, these things to continue to do what we uh, are doing to be able to win. And, uh, you know, it helps to have great players. I mean, I, on that team, I know they were just juniors, but you had Malcolm Wilson, which is uh, at Georgetown. I had Waylon Napper, which is uh, was first team All-American this, this year. Uh, first team All-American Juco. So he was a, go- a point guard. Our two guard was the uh, freshman of the year in a D2 conference. Uh, so I had really good players uh, on the, on that team. So, was, you know, they their names just wasn't out there as, as so to speak, Aiken's guys were. But, uh, you know, my kids came – and competed that night. And, and like Coach Rochelle said, that is my signature win. That put me on the map in, in Columbia area as he can coach a little bit. You know, he, he's doing okay. And, uh, you know, I, I pride myself on uh, playing the best competition that, that we can play. Uh, even at Ridgeview and being a, a, a 4A school, now we're going to 5A school. I want to play a national schedule as best that we can. And, uh, you know, Bojangles Bash definitely helps with that. Uh, there's three games a year that we're playing in a national competition. Uh, you know, and that just prepares our kids for these type of situations. Uh, you know, I think last year we played, this past season, we played three teams ranked in the top seven in the country at the last poll. Wow. Uh, even though we lost, we were in all three of those games up until the third quarter, you know, or late fourth quarter in in the third quarter we were still uh an eight to ten point ball game and uh you know prolific prep is one of them prolific prep i think ended the season at number seven maybe coach rosefield can correct me wrong i think they finished like number seven or eight in one of the polls but we were up five with three minutes to go in the game and my point guard gets hurt and so we ended up losing by like six, maybe. But that was the difference. They went to a, a one-three-one half-court trap, and I didn't have that one more guy that I felt comfortable about being where I, being in the middle of the floor where we can get them the ball and create. Uh, so I had to pull who I was already because I knew that they they were going to go to that. That was their signature thing, prolific prep. When they're down, or if they feel like they need to change the momentum, they would all go to a one-three-one half-court trap. And I'd already had it in my mind. I was going to put Sincere Scott at the top of the key. Uh, I had Tyler. Then I had Jaden or uh, Davion, my other uh, guard. We were going to split that point, but we were going to get <laughs> it to the middle because uh, Sincere Scott, he's only 5'8", 5'9", but super quick. And they had a seven-foot guy that was going to try to guard him, and it wasn't going to happen. You know, we got hit, if we could get him the ball in the middle of the floor, then it's – uh, two on one because I had my uh, Javon Benson short corner. He was just going to rotate over. So we we had a plan, but uh, the good Lord decided not to allow us to have it that night. But 
I, I think it was crucial for us that that Tyler got hurt. Uh, we lost him for five games after that, and Sincere Scott had to be a point guard for five games, and that's not necessarily his position. But in the state championship game, uh, Tyler uh, had to come out of the game some because he had severe cramping, and Sincere had to come in and be a point guard. And I told him at, at the uh, at one of the timeouts, I was like, God prepared you for this. It was five games this season. You had to be, you know, choose a different role than you're used to. And, uh, you know, he handled it extremely well. And Tyler came back in and, uh, you know, I guess the rest is history, so to speak. As a, yeah, uh, Coach Rosefield showed me some uh, highlights of Sincere Scott. He's a, he's a strong young man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any Sincere Scots. I don't. Well, no. uh, but we'll play you. We'll play you anytime you want. Five on two. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I like competition. So. I don't know if that's sanctioned. I don't know if that's official. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you're only going to have two of your guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could put eight of them out there. It might not matter. <laughs> I have great kids. I, my kids are awesome kids. They really are, man. They really are. They try. Listen, it was a tough year. They tried their butt off. Like I said, the fact, and I told him this at the end of the year, I said, the fact that you guys came to practice every day when we were losing 17 in a row, I said, that says something about you because there's a lot of kids that would just stop coming. Yes. There was a lot of kids that would pack it in and say, you know what? I'm out of here. And I said, none of you guys did that. So That's great. All right, Coach, one last thing. It's our final question. If I asked kids that played for you, uh, what would they say is the one thing you say over and over again? It could be like a funny quip or a, or a coaching point, but what's one thing the kids would say? Oh, Coach Stolmanoe says this. Uh, I think, you know, to be funny, they will probably say that uh, instead of cussing, I say Jiminy Cricket <laughs> uh, a lot. So uh, they'll hear – they hear Jiminy Cricket uh, quite a bit. I think uh, – you know, if, if we're talking about certain things, they're going to say he always preaches effort and attitude. Uh, but in, in a game, especially late situations, they're going to say he says the only thing that matters is time and score. Okay. Uh, it ain't about scoring. It ain't about me getting my bucket. It's, uh, you know, the only thing that matters is going to be that time and score. So I think that's three things that, that I think all of them would say, or at least I hope they're saying, because that, that's what I feel like is important in the program. The Jiminy Cricket is funny. We we worked for a coach in South Carolina, Coach Nessa, that would always say, Jesus, criminy. <laughs> yep. Criminy. Well, as, as an AD, I always appreciate the Jiminy Crickets over uh, well, the, the alternatives. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I'll talk that, you know, the Jiminy Cricket happens a lot. But, you know, I, I think I have to adapt my coaching to my kids and what they're going to be experiencing. So. Um, and then, you know, you coach to the kids that you have. Uh, Javon Benson's going to South Carolina. We know uh, he's going to play for an unbelievable coach that, that is, I mean, unbelievably demanding. And, you know, his choice of words are different than what high school coaches will say. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I've had to say things just to have – just to get him prepared for what he's getting ready to walk into. Uh, so there are times that the, the Jiminy Crickets didn't come out. There was other things, but it was just uh, 
just so I know that I'm helping prepare him for that next level. All right, Coach. Well, you, you kind of broke up there for a second. It kind of sounded like you said that you do, don't say Jiminy Crickets. I'm just kidding with you. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know how it is. I know how he did a great yeah. job preparing him, just like you do all of our Ridgeview kids. So, Coach, this is uh, uh, just been a real pleasure to spend some time with you here on our show. Just can't thank you enough for coming in and talking about your greatest game and telling us a little bit more about your journey. Yes, sir. I, I greatly appreciate y'all having me on and uh, allowing me to share my experiences. So for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. Mm-hmm.